Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, what moved markets this week for the week ending Friday, October 22nd, a strong week for stocks. The S&P 500 closed at a fresh record high yesterday and a week where retail investors rediscovered the meme craze with a bit of a twist, this time flocking to a certain SPAC affiliated with a certain former president of the United States. And that particular security has skyrocketed quite a bit. We'll talk about that later, as well as some other things with the following protagonists here joining me in no particular order, Brad Olison, the VP of News, Kim Khan, Senior News Editor, Steve Alfer is off, perhaps counting his Bitcoins, and Jason Kapool is filling in for him. He is the ETF News Strategist. I am your host and moderator, Nathaniel E. Baker, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors here at Seeking Alpha. So let's kick it over to Kim, as we normally do, to give us the big picture lay of the land of what moved markets this week. Well, it's nice to see uh, market wisdom be correct um, you know, once in a while. They, everyone was saying that you know the S&P 500 is overdue for its 5% pullback. Once it did, that it could you know regain its stride and, and march upwards, which is what it did. It's erased that 5% pullback, and now it's now back um, into record territory. It's dipping a bit as we speak, but, you know, it's still right up there, that level. And um, so there's like, it's been an encouraging week for, for most, um, most sectors around the S&P. And um, at the same time, uh, rates have been moving higher. The uh, 10 year has been climbing closer to uh, 1.7%, and that's helping uh, get reflation trade plays. And um, that's been driven really by um, a rise in inflation expectations. You've got the five-year and 10-year break-even expectations kind of nudging up to, to all-time highs of where they, they had been since they started collecting the data. Yeah, an interesting week. I mentioned that uh, was a strong week, maybe not so much for tech stocks. We had Snap and Intel selling off after they reported earnings yesterday, which begs the question who the other winners and losers were this week. Brad, take us through that. I mean, you hit it, Matt, mostly earnings, right? So Pool Corp, which is, uh, you know, obviously a, a household goods name, blew it out of the water, so to speak, uh, with, with their sure. earnings. Uh, Anthem Health, their, their managed care provider, uh, also an earn, earnings name, one of the bigger winners there. They, led, they helped lead most of the sector higher there following their earnings. Um, health was, was basically the second best performer in the S&P 500 on an, on an industry basis. Um, HP Inc., that's the printer and technology company, also did extremely well with their earnings. PNC, following the strong banking trend that we saw last week with some of the bigger banks, they also reported earnings um, and, and soared. And also one of the more interesting stories of the week was 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 the Pinterest and PayPal reported deal, which helped the other big winner this week, Etsy. It's my estimation that they their shares rose in sympathy with the announcement of that deal, given their, I guess you could argue, slight similarities with, with Pinterest. And on, on the downside, losers, 
in honor of, of, of big blue, you know, I am, I'm wearing blue today, but you kind of have to toss one out for them. They had really poor results, vindicating uh, legendary short seller, Jim Chanos, who I guess picked the right time to come on, on, on TV and, and really discuss his short in the name. He was alleging all sorts of financial engineering going on at the company. And um, regardless of whether those allegations are true, that they still missed analyst expectations. Intel also missed on the earnings uh, expectation side. They, they cratered. Ulta Beauty had an analyst meeting. So I guess one of the few non-earnings related moves um, this week, Ulta Beauty lowered some of their outlook for their comparable growth. Uh, we, As an aside, we happened to have flagged that from the Seeking Alpha news team on a, as part of our catalyst watch for the week. So you know, had you been reading that, you would have known that this was going to be a rather big event for them. They were one of the biggest losers in the S&P 500 this week. And also Baker Hughes. I don't know how much of, of, of the move lower in their shares could be attributed to the fact that they've run up 73% already this year or whether they, they missed on their earnings. But nevertheless, they, they did miss. And as I kind of teased, that PayPal Pinterest deal really took a hit to, to PayPal's shares itself. Um, the Wall Street wasn't too enthused with, with how that deal would be received. PayPal is offering a lot of shares as part of the compensation for the purported deal to, to buy Pinterest. Um, and that prompted all sorts of reactions on the street. The truest analyst said he says he saw no reason whatsoever for why that combination makes any sense. Um, other analysts said that it's the deal is somewhat reliant on Pinterest actually getting its social commerce, I guess, operations up and running. And given the fact that PayPal shares sold off about 5% on the news, um, it, it might, make, might make a deal that's almost entirely in stock, even more expensive for them to to go to fruition as they'll probably have to kick in more cash um, in order to to kind of offset the the decline in their shares that they've seen. So just quite an interesting M&A deal there that kind of threw a, a wrench in some of the gears. Yeah, very interesting indeed. And by the way, Brad, you are sitting there in a pretty large conference room and there appears to be some other conference going on in there in the background, as you may have heard uh, in the background noise but hopefully it wasn't too obtrusive. All right, let's move on to Jason. Um, ETF, so that's your beat. That's what you cover for us here at Seeking Alpha. Um, I heard there might've been an, an, a Bitcoin launch this week. I'm not sure. Maybe you can talk, tell us about that. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, if everyone missed it, but yeah, obviously the big story of the week, uh, undoubtedly it was around the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF, ticker BITO, which launched back on Tuesday. Very warm welcome to the market. The ETF has already took in over a billion dollars worth of assets. And on its opening debut alone, uh, $994 million in total trade value, just shy of $1 billion, uh, happened on day one. And to kind of put that into a little bit of perspective, only the BlackRock uh, US Carbon Trans Transition Readiness ETF has experienced over $1 billion in total trade value. So Significant on that nature. Also, um, on the week, we now today have learned that we also have another Bitcoin strategy ETF out there, the Valkyrie Bitcoin strategy ETF, and that's ticker BTF. And on Monday, we should be seeing VanX version, which is going to be ticker XBTF. So a lot of news around that space. It kind of overwhelmed the other aspects of what's happening in the ETF market, but definitely um, a decade-long battle, I guess you could say, among some individuals that have been uh, looking to get the first Bitcoin uh, ETF out there, but we have it out there now. And the, I guess you could say the floodgates are open to other opportunities within the crypto ETF wrappers down the road as well. 
Yeah, and all kinds of kind of begs the question: How, when we might see uh, an ETF of actual spot Bitcoin as opposed to futures? Any idea on that? Yeah, um, well, I actually did speak with ProShares earlier uh, on the week. Spoke with uh, Simeon Hyman, global investment strategist over at ProShares, and I kind of asked them the same question: Where is that going to lead into? You know, the next move about the crypto aspects, be it a, a holding or you know other aspects that we can add to it. And, you know, he kind of just left it as, you know, we're going to have to take it day by day, keep an eye on the market. But obviously, it's a great first step. Um, I know Grayscale um, Investments just uh, filed with the SEC to alter their ETF GBTC to a spot Bitcoin ETF. So um, it's definitely in the works. I wouldn't say it's going to be happening tomorrow, but, you know, progress is progress. Hmm. All right. Let's move on to the next segment of the show where we discuss our favorite stories Seeking Alpha contributor articles, tweets, or other things. I guess Pinterest posts would potentially qualify. Although I don't know what that would look like as I've, I think I was on Pinterest once. Anyway, um, let's start with Kim. All right, well, it's time to talk DWAC, which is Digital World Acquisition Corp, which is an ink to deal with Trump Media Technology Group, which is going to lay waste to Amazon and Apple and Google and Facebook and also Netflix and Disney Plus, if you uh, believe their presentation. Other and, than that, it won't do much, right? Yeah, and it's it, the stock itself is. Um, we look at stop move just in and of itself. It's soaring. It's been. It was up as much as twelve, thirteen hundred percent over two days. Um, you know the enterprise value that the press release gave, although it's kind of difficult to see where they came by it for the deal was around total 1.7 billion. So now the, you could say it's about a more than a $20 billion company, just these the last couple of days. And, but as a company, it has no employees. Um, it's not up and running. There's no indication of when it may be. Um, it, the Truth Social, it's social media platform. Um, people have got a peek at it and it's um, basically uh, Vice was reporting it's coming from open source, an open source platform called Mastodon. So no new, um, you know, tech innovation there. And it's, you know, our my colleague Jason Acock wrote an article saying how difficult it's going to be to get running a, you know, um, non-woke, um, you know, free speech social media platform when there's such trouble hosting that Parler ran into. And, you know, even if you just, you know, throw in Jeff, how Jeff Bezos feels about Donald Trump, is Amazon going to host, you know, do the cloud hosting for it? And so we're, we're left with just a lot of speculation and, and a lot of money out there. I mean, mm. I, it did trade like a mean stock from what mm -hmm. I saw. It was a lot of money, looked like uh, hedge funds started chasing today from after the move yesterday. And it did like a very telltale move at the top today, intraday, it stopped right on 175 on a whole number and then fell back, which is what you saw GameStop usually doing, bouncing in AMC and then and like, you know, and then closing right around a net, um, close to a round number as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I mean, there's also a lot of, you know, controversy where, Trump would, you know, be able to to run this company if he's running for re-election. Um, you know, in one respect, his, you know, his SPAC, his his PAC, SPAC, his PAC spent a lot of money um, at, you know, about a fifth of his budget at Trump properties. So he's got no problem, you know, perhaps with like, you know, just, you know, spending that money on advertising on his own platform. You know, that could happen. Um, but then, what do you get when it's an, um, you know, a stock that could be bought by anyone, Russians, Saudis, you know, foreign governments with a man who's running for president? We'll wait and see. I mean, I, you know, just building something like this from the ground up is a huge effort. So we're just going to see how it goes. 
crazy times. Uh, these are not the type of things that happen during bear markets, by the way. So you can consider that for what it's worth. Brad, what about you? Favorite stories? So I don't want to call it favorite because then they'd just kind of be kicking people while they're down. But we'll stay on the the, the social theme with Snap earnings last night. Mm. Um, you could talk about how this was very curious timing to launch the Dwax back. You know, uh, targeting lots of social media companies on a day in which many media companies and a, a, a few day span actually, when a few me- social media companies are due to report earnings, uh, Facebook is due next week. But uh, looks like the the market getting ahead of what they see there um, and the results as shares sold off in Facebook by a very, very healthy margin following the results from Snap Inc., formerly known as Snapchat, mm-hmm. um, who mentioned the fact that the Apple moves to restrict targeting and to make it harder for advertisers to reach targeted uh, demographics is having a material impact on some of their results uh, that not only hit the names you'd normally recognize like Facebook and, and Twitter and to a lesser extent, Google and some of these other names, but also ad tech companies like the Trade te- the trade Desk and Magnite. Um, those stickers are TTD and MGNI uh, also were hit a little bit on, on, on the fact that this is having a, a material impact on Snap results and Snap earnings. Snap did fall, fall about 25% after earnings, one of their larger moves. You could still argue that shares are still up on the year. So all is not what all is not, you know, it's not the end of the world for them. Uh, but it was just all about their guidance. They, they expect to see less clarity on their, their users and an uh, inability to more regularly target them, which could hurt their ability to charge larger advertising um, fees, I guess, for others. So a very active week for social media in the aggregate. Yeah. And Snapchat also uh, blamed the supply chain for some of their issues, which was a little bit interesting. Um, All right, Jason, what about you? Your favorite stories other than the ones that you already uh, spoke to us about? Yeah. uh, Obviously there has been you know, a tremendous amount of news and information around the crypto aspect within the ETF world. But on the another front within the ETF land, there were three new thematic ESG funds that came into play this week that were launched by Index IQ, um, an IQ eGender Equality ETF, ticker EQUL, another one IQ Cleaner Transport ETF, ticker CLNR, and IQ Clean Oceans ETF, ticker OCEN. Building up upon the ESG aspect uh, and demand in that kind of front, uh, it's interesting to see how that is developing. Obviously, the thematic aspect is growing within the ETF space, but ESG as a whole. So it's interesting to see some more funds coming to market that are having offering a different perspective for individuals that have that flavor of investment out there. Very interesting. All right, and for me, I will once again plug the pro editors or the the pro segment of the Seeking Alpha website a piece here that we uh, picked up by Tim Travis on Citigroup. This is a bit of a contrarian call or very contrarian, maybe seeing how Citigroup stock has gone nowhere for, oh, 50 years. But they see Tim Travis here sees 25% upside in City stop. He says it's the most undervalued large bank by a considerable margin, trading at just 90% of tangible book value. And while the competitor's trade at meaningful premiums to tangible book value and only 7.5x normalized earnings. Uh, So the interesting uh, piece here, title is Citigroup is the most fundamentally undervalued large US bank. 
I uh, believe they reported last week. I don't know what's going on. The stock's up 1% today for what that's worth. Um, oh, yeah, a bit of a dip there when they reported. Anyway, um, so that's, uh, yeah, so he has a target of 90 bucks, 9-0, currently trading around 71 and a quarter. So we'll be curious to see how that turns out. I can pitch in on some more contrarian or even at least a discussion topic. I think just to build on what Jason was saying with the, the crypto world, we all we all hear about how cryptocurrencies are a hedge against traditional finance or inflation. I think it is worth noting, I don't think we mentioned in the program, but Bitcoin did hit an all-time high um, in conjunction almost to the, you know, within the same 24 hours or so of the S&P 500 hitting an all-time high. So mm-hmm. as far as its uh, ability to p- perform as a diversification mechanism or hedge against other things, it seems to be behaving just like any other risk asset. So um, I'm not pro or against Bitcoin, but I just wanted to pose that and, you know, encourage our community to, to opine um, yeah. as, as it is a very polarizing topic and it's just very interesting to see. Um, how that instrument tends to trade despite all of the narrative behind what it's truly designed to do. Yeah, that's a good point. I I tend to view uh, Bitcoin and cryptos as kind of the junior most tranche of risk assets. So it's like the most risky of the risk assets, but it can also be a gauge of other risk assets. I think it was last week where there was maybe a couple down days in the S&P and there was one day where in the morning, at least, futures, the S&P was down again and was kind of teetering there, but Bitcoin was up. And if you'd use that as an indication of uh, rally in, in equities, it would have worked out in your favor. So, but then when, when it goes to risk off, then Bitcoin sells off worse than the others. So yeah, that's, that's true. Point. And then also there was an, I saw uh, some interesting analysis this week about own, when to own Bitcoin. And they did, uh, I forget exactly the research shop, but they did an analysis finding that owning Bitcoin during the US session led to almost the entirety of the gains in Bitcoin. So during the Asian and European sessions, if you were holding Bitcoin, you actually were negative, but had you only bought and held during the US session, that would be responsible for the entirety of the gains over the last, I think it was maybe a year or so, I, f- I forget the time frame, but just mm. uh, an interesting view on, on where the money is coming into the asset and um, you know how it's performing. Also also interesting is that we're, we're at a, a point now where risk assets are doing great at a time when inflation expectations are at all time highs. Mm-hmm. So as far as hedging on inflation, like uh, if you look at Bitcoin and gold, I mean, I, we're getting a little bit of an inverse reaction there and, and bond allocation, which B of A's fund managers survey just showed is at an all time low. So, you know, even with the, everybody seeing the, the inflationary forces coming, everyone's piling into risk. The tricky thing about the gold inflation part is that it's also gold is you know in, in dollars, right? And the dollar has seen quite an uptick over the past few months. In fact, just since I think May, the May highs in gold, they're down about 5%. And then in that same time frame, the dollar is up 5%. So, you know, b- before we kind of use gold as, you know, a, a one-to-one um, proxy for inflation, we should also look at, you know, how it's nominated and how it's looked at in terms of, uh, at least on dollar terms. Mm-hmm. On the topic of inflation here, and one thing about Bitcoin for all its charms or, I guess, uh, negative attributes, no matter where, wherever you stand on that, I'm going to go off on a limb here and say that it is not a very good inflation hedge. That is what I'm going to say about Bitcoin. But anyway, all else being equal. 
All right. Uh, Jason, you got any thoughts on this or you're just like, whatever, there's an ETF for futures. That's all. <laughs> no, I, you know, it would, the aspect of using Bitcoin as a risk averse asset, it's, you know, certain days it correlates, certain days it doesn't. Um, whereas obviously gold much has a much longer, um, you know, I guess you could say track record where, where it is the traditional, you know, risk off aspect aspect. So I think maybe with time, Bitcoin can develop into that, but I, I know kind of what Brad alluded to at times it does, at times it doesn't. So I would think it would be difficult to kind of classify that as that's where it's going to fall. And that's kind of something we can rely on, on a continuing ongoing basis. Uh, that would be my two cents to head in. Mm, very interesting. All right. A very interesting conversation here today. Thank you all for staying with us and reminder that you can check out the video which airs on Friday afternoon at the website seekingalpha.com. Just go to videos and you'll see it there. And if you have been watching the video and want to check out the slightly longer audio version, which includes a little bit more discussion on cryptocurrencies, go to the uh, Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast podcast, which is out on Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. You get that anywhere you get your podcast. Just look for Wall Street breakfast. And with that, we hope wish you a happy weekend and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to seekingalpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.